You're listening to the Growth Exponential Podcast. I'm your host, Bradley Caro Today, I'm joined with Jocelyn Matkins, who is the Executive Director of the Teton Regional Land Trust. The mission of the Teton Regional Land Trust is to conserve working farms and ranches, fish, and wildlife habitat, and scenic open spaces in eastern Idaho for this and future generations. Jocelyn, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. 100%. I am just, anytime it's, I'm interviewing someone who's helping make the world a more beautiful place or enhancing the beauty in the world, it's such an important role of Stewards of the Earth. So it's just really it's such a pleasure to have you join us. Could you share with us at a high level about your organization? Sure. Just to play off of what you said, I think we're just trying to keep some of the beauty that's already here, that's inherent in nature. And I'm here at the shadow of the Tetons on a cloudy day, and I know they're there. And it's just such an honor to get to work in this landscape. And we work in the Teton Regional Land Trust, works to protect working lands and habitat across eastern Idaho. We have some of the world's most iconic river. People come from all over the world to fish the Henry's Fork, to float and fish the South Fork of the Snake River, to spend time on the Teton River. These are some of the world's iconic fisheries. And that's just the fish, the wildlife, the birds, everything that's here, including the local farms and ranches and the families that support this uh, incredibly vibrant place. It's our honor at the Land Trust to get to work with families to protect this incredible place. We've worked with over 125 landowners to protect 36,000 acres of private lands, buffering the greater Yellowstone. And it's an incredible honor for me to get to know these families and to get to work with the communities that make it possible. Wow, that is really powerful. And I love how it's just so connected to the earth and the beauty that nature provides. I'm super curious. Can you share with me about your background and what it was that led to you becoming the executive director of the Teton Regional Land Trust? I am really lucky to be a fourth generation Idahoan. Um, Idaho is known for its wild rivers, its vast open lands, its extraordinary mountain ranges. And I got to spend my whole childhood exploring that. And not just Idaho, but the whole country. My parents had a little Winnebago and we would travel coast to coast from Alaska to Southern California almost every summer. My uh, mom was a teacher. My dad was a fireman and we'd have a fair bit of time off and we would just hit the road and get out into nature. And my parents were also really highly driven and there was rare downtime as an only child of two very highly driven parents. And nature just always provided that place, that place to slow down, to be present, to recharge, and to really just connect mentally, physically, and spiritually with myself and with nature. And Honestly, I can remember the first time that I sort of realized what I wanted to do in the world. And it was on one of the coast-to-coast trips that uh, we were taking in our Winnebago. And I think we were probably camping uh, along one of the Great Lakes. I can't be sure exactly where we were, but I was sitting on a rock. And I was surrounded by pine trees and chipmunks. And just the smell of the pine was you know, just the first thing I was taking in. And then the sun was setting and it was dancing on the water and I could just sort of feel that. And then I could feel the wind on my face. And I was probably nine or 10 years old. And I just remember connecting so much with nature and with myself in that moment. And anytime that today life gets hard, I seek out that same 
sensation, that same feeling of connection with myself, with others, with nature. And, you know, that's what working at the Land Trust gives me the opportunity to do is to help connect people to nature and help us keep it around for future generations. Wow, that's such important work. Can you share with me, is there a place that's like your iconic Teton Regional Land Trust space that comes to mind or a picture in your head? I think that one of the things that people would think about when they think about Teton Regional Land Trust is uh, the Teton River and staging sandhill cranes. We have the largest population of staging sandhill cranes in the greater Yellowstone. These cranes migrate from the greater Yellowstone and the northern Rockies down to New Mexico every year. And one of the places that they stop over is in Teton Valley. And they stop here because we have vast wetlands really close and adjacent to private lands that are farmed, that we have barley farms. And the cranes come here because they can feed on the leftover barley after harvest, and then they can spend the night in the shallow wetlands associated with the Teton River. And one of the things that we get to do as residents of this area and of this region is to see that, is to be able to go out in the early mornings and the late evenings and see these iconic creatures, these dinosaurs, basically just all around us. And they sing and they dance and they're just so incredible. And we um, at the Land Trust actually two years ago started the Greater Yellowstone um, Crane Festival. And it's a week-long festival that works to raise awareness, not just of this important staging habitat, but of the incredible wildlife and working lands that make this place so special. And I would just to sort of put a point on that, the Greater Yellowstone region is uh, the largest intact ecosystem left in the lower 48 and one of the largest intact ecosystems left in the world. We have the largest concentration of animals. We have 65 species of mammals and 300 species of birds, uh, largest concentration of animals in the United States. And when you think about things like uh, the wildfires in Australia and losing you know, over half a billion species, it's just more imperative each and every day to protect the places that still support vibrant wildlife and the working lands that work together to keep our whole ecological integrity intact. Now, you mentioned the conservation of farmland. Why is conservation of nature and natural resources like farmland important? For one thing, we're seeing 50% of the species, species go extinct globally, and we're losing three acres of farmland every minute in the United States. You know, those are important for different reasons. Farmland is important for food and for maintaining healthy communities and sustainable agricultural communities. And in our region, maintaining wildlife is important to our economies. We're um, in the greater Yellowstone. It's a place where everybody wants to move. Idaho is one of the fastest growing states, this region. Um, Bozeman is just three hours to the north. It's one of the fastest growing counties in the country. And we're facing just vast transition of our landscape. And we're just not immune to these worldwide trends and just really want to try to protect some of the things that make this place so special and that give the human spirit an opportunity to connect with nature. Now, this is a historical question, and you'll have to forgive my ignorance. Was the farmland always farmland or what was it before it was farmland? Before 
we were colonized as a region and became a part of the United States. It's definitely had Native Americans that worked and managed the land. And over time, over the last 100, uh, 120 years, it's definitely transitioned from being, you know, a, a really wild and vast place to a place that has supported communities through agriculture. There's working lands, working farms, working ranches. And now, you know, we're seeing a transition from these vast open spaces and working land to more and more subdivisions. And with each transition, we limit the ability of the wildlife to survive and thrive. That's amazing to think of it in that order. So one time it was just plains, which was then turned into farmlands, and now it's being developed into subdivisions. And you're really saving that from happening for the wildlife that's there. That's really inspiring. What is the benefit of private land conservation in in a region with two of the world's most iconic national parks and vast public lands? In our region, we are lucky to be surrounded by public lands, the ability to get outside and experience nature and have so many opportunities to recreate. And, you know, we will go from our homes on private lands up into the Forest Service and into the National Park and not really recognize that we're moving through public and private lands. And, you know, the wildlife don't recognize that either. And uh, a lot of the resources that a lot of the species need to survive in Yellowstone are actually found in private lands. For example, elk and mule deer that are calving and summering in Yellowstone must move out of Yellowstone in the winter. The snow just gets way too deep and they would not be able to survive if they couldn't move out of the Yellowstone Plateau and out onto the vast high sagebrush deserts of eastern Idaho. So you have thousands of ungulates moving out of the park and onto private lands and wintering. And if they couldn't do that, you couldn't drive through Yellowstone in the summer and see the elk and and the wildlife that you do. Wow. So it's almost like there's a symbiotic relationship between the different types of lands and how they play into that ecosystem with the animals that are on them. They, uh, they don't recognize that we have county and state and federal boundaries. They just see the, the resources and the open spaces and the fabric of the, of the landscape. And today, the fabric of the landscape is a mix of a lot of people that want to move here, myself included, and farmers and ranchers and people that want to visit the national parks. And we've all got to figure out a way to coexist if we want to see the, the wildlife here in perpetuity. And, you know, one of the things that make the land trust and land trusts in general together land trusts across the country, there's well over 1,500 of them. We've protected as much land collectively as there is in the national park system. And our work is permanent conservation. When we partner with a landowner, those agreements to limit the development of the land that they own could be working land, it could be habitat, it could be a combination of both. Um, for the land trust, we make sure that we're both protecting the habitat and the working land values in every project we do. And that project and that protection goes from generation to generation. It runs with the title of the land. So the work that we do is forever. And that means a lot to me as I think about, you know, the investment that people are making. They're making a permanent investment in the natural world and back to, you know, why that matters to humans. I mean, we connect to ourselves and to each other and to nature through those opportunities to experience the natural world. And we just need to make sure that that's something that we pass on to future generations. What else makes the work of the Land Trust different from other conservation and environmental organizations? 
Well, I don't know if it makes a difference, but one of the things that I think we do, and I know other land trusts do, is really try to um, partner and work collaboratively. At the heart of our work and in sort of the conservation tradition, every agreement that we have done has been with a willing landowner that wants to protect their land. And over time, we've wanted to see our work expand, and we've started to partner with, um, like here in the Teton Valley, we partner with counties and the city and other nonprofits to do things like protect public access to the Teton River. There's a project called the Bay Buxton River Park. There's another one called the Teton Creek Project, where we're working to collaboratively protect the habitat, the recreational values, public access values, and, you know, the vibrant walkable communities all together. And the Land Trust just partners with that and lends their expertise and works with other organizations to create a bigger outcome, to make a bigger impact. What do you consider to be success? Well, gosh, you know, we're celebrating our uh, 30th anniversary this year. Um, 2020 is our 30th anniversary. And certainly um, the amount of acres that we've protected, 36,000 acres, that's a conservation success. We've protected over um, 50 river miles on the South Fork, the Henry's Fork, and the Teton River. We consider that a success. Um, we consider partnering with our landowners, over 100 landowners, and having willing working agreements uh, around shared values. The shared value of valuing the land and wanting to pass it to future generations. Having the community support, having a community that cares about the work that we do and shows us that they care by coming to our events and donating their, their time and their treasure. Um, having a, an, an engaged board, an organization that has a board that cares deeply about the mission and is willing to put their time and effort into it is huge for me personally. We have a, a great board and a great staff and people that work in the nonprofit arena, they put their heart and soul into it and making sure that, that they feel valued by the community and by their community of supporters also seems like a success to me. You're doing so much good for so many people and for the earth. What are ways that our listeners can help you accomplish your mission? Here in eastern Idaho, uh, we're always looking for landowners that are interested in protecting their lands. Um, we, we're looking at making a landscape scale impact. And so, you know, we're not able to um, protect, you know, one acre at a time. And so we want to work and partner with landowners that have farms and ranches and, and habitats that protecting them will make a, a difference on the landscape. Certainly, again, I sort of said coming to our events, learning about our work, uh, supporting our work through their volunteer time and through donations is huge. That's great. And how, how do people find you? On the internet, www.tetonlandtrust.org. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Instagram, and those are probably the places that most people find us. You can also give us a good old-fashioned phone call, uh, 208-354-8939. <laughs> That's wonderful. And I want to thank you so much for joining us today on the Growth Exponential Podcast, and I wish you tremendous success in all your worthy endeavors. Thank you for what you do for the nonprofit community and for just society in general. It's a wonderful service you provide. You've been listening to the Growth Exponential Podcast. If you know an executive director or nonprofit professional that you think I should interview, shoot me an email at bradley at growthexponential.org.